Hello, I'm Sarah Tullock, Talking Writing's podcast manager, and this is the Talking Writing Podcast. From now until the end of the year, donations and new subscriptions will be acknowledged by the Talking Writing Podcast and will receive a gift. Please find your subscription and donation options on this episode's Substack post. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to the Talking Writing Podcast. I'm John Vogel, TW's creative director. Today, we have a special episode for our end-of-the-year funding drive, where we, the TW team, talk about our coaching session offers for donors and paid subscribers, as well as an upcoming idea with which we would like your help. We all have obsessions, and if you share any of these, we want to talk to you about them. So we're going to go over some things that we want to do deep dives on, and if you'd like to have a conversation with us about any of them, please reach out to us at editor at talkingwriting.com. Okay, and let's start with Jess. Jess, would you like to introduce yourself and go over your coaching session and obsession? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Jess Barnett, and I'm an artist and a copy editor, and I'm one of the editors for Talking Writing. So I, as a copy editor, I have my own business, and my 30-minute session would be pretty much a brainstorming kind of kickoff session if if someone was interested in getting something copy edited then we would discuss you know the kind of level of editing that you would need deadlines any elements that are kind of out of the ordinary or specific to the job and so we talk about that for, for during that session and then my current obsessions are well I'm going to be interviewing Jason Logan who wrote four books the latest one being about making ink out of plants I'm going to talk with him on Monday and interview him. And I just found out that he has, he actually was in a documentary that came out last year. So I'm looking forward to talking to him about that. And then along that vein, that sort of got me started thinking about different materials that I, that I or any artist could use that are kind of out of the ordinary or unconventional just to bring different and more interesting media. I like to use a lot of different materials in my own work and I'd love to talk with and read more about different techniques that people have tried and, you know, with plants, stones, Neva had mentioned. Uh, Jason actually made black ink from grapevines, which I haven't tried yet, but I'm going to. So anything along that vein, I'm really interested in kind of looking into more. So I'll probably just be focusing on that for a while. So if anyone has any suggestions for that, they can reach out to us. And uh, the email is editor at talkingwriting.com. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, I have I think a question. I have yeah? a question, Jess. Like, how do you test for the viability of the plant pigments when, or I the mean, stone pigments? Well, so that's a good question. So for me, I, I did follow uh, certain tutorials in Jason's book for certain things, but other things I have just kind of done trial and error and just like had a really good time with it because one of my things is like I have a really hard time following instructions sometimes so yeah it's, it's kind of ridiculous but so I like to try things out for myself and so I've had some really cool like successful attempts and that I've gotten some really neat ink and then I've had some that weren't as successful but maybe or some that were successful in a different way like a different color came out or a different you know, opacity than I was expecting. So that's been really interesting to check out. But there are other books out there. Pinterest, there's tons of things on Pinterest, which is 
how I kind of got even more into this stuff. So it's all out there, but I'm just kind of looking forward to as the spring comes eventually, <laughs> now it's only December, checking out new materials for myself, foraging, which I mentioned I really like doing in general. And so just going on some long nature walks and just kind of collecting a bag full of things to try out. So that really appeals to me right now, especially because I've been really interested in just kind of exploring different areas outdoors and seeing what's out there. So, so yeah. Uh, do, does this have any ties to like other philosophical interests of yours, like anti-consumerism or like sort of like, cause it has, it has a lot of sort of tie or like tangential ties to, to things like even dumpster diving or just like mm-hmm. finding your own food or, or trying to use alternative materials for stuff. Yeah, I think that's really important. That's not my main reason. I think even as a kid, I remember like just picking up different berries and plants and just like looking at them. And I know for me, it's a really I'm having this real urge to just explore different outside and just in general. I don't know exactly why, but so tying in with that, you know, seeing what's in also I'm going to be moving to Pennsylvania from New Hampshire so just like even walking outside of my dog and seeing the differing foliage here versus there, I have this plant app so I can look things up. And it's just interesting to me in a way that I never really thought I would be interested in something like that. So, but yeah, I think it is important to obviously reuse, recycle when you can materials. I do that a lot. And then just find things that, you know, that are organic that you can use instead of just buying, buying, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Nice. Imagine using, you know, art, your surroundings to create art. And I think that's one of them. There's so many like weeds. We think are weeds, but they're actually mm-hmm. like really useful in other yeah. ways. And we've lost yep. that knowledge. It would be so cool if some people reached out to you and you could all compile like a library of the different pigments that came out of different plants and that's a cool idea yeah that. yeah i know there are things like that out there but i'd like to do it too so <laughs> nice you want to move on? oh sarah did you have a, i was going to move on to sarah but do you have a question i have a quick question did you say how you got into this because like i like painting but i do like paint by numbers so oh, okay yeah it would be like yeah like how, is it like a class or like a, a a youtube video that you started learning how to do this how did you so learn? i started using pokeberries a few years ago pokeberries are they grow everywhere they're those purple berries that, mm-hmm. that they yeah and i got like obsessed with them because i was always on this hunt for pokeberries to make ink but i hadn't actually read how you properly should do it and so i finally when i got my boyfriend actually got that book for me and like, yeah, it just opened up a whole new world of exploration um, for me. So I had been interested, but I'd never actually like read anything tutorials wise. So that's pretty much how I got really into it. And then I just became obsessed with it. So yeah, yeah. it's been really cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Thanks. I love that. So I'll go. Yeah. Um, my coaching session is going to be about podcast production because a lot of people, they know that they want to start a podcast. They know what they want to talk about, but they don't know what to do. And the behind the scenes is not really like shown a lot, like on the internet or anything like that. So I would tell you like what you should be doing, what kind of tech you should have, like 
programs, softwares, mics, that kind of a thing. And also like how to monetize because a lot of people use their podcast to like market other parts of their business or their services. So yeah, all that would be included in our 30 minute coaching session. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing that, thank you. And the thing that I'm obsessed with right now is When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. And I just picked it up from book club in the village. Yeah. In New York City, it's like a bar that's also a book club. I mean, that's also a bookstore that also sells coffee. So it's very crowded and I love it in there. And I just found this and it's really intense. There's a lot of plot going on at once. And it's basically what if women were so enraged or have so much emotion in the 50s, 1950s, that they transfigured themselves into dragons and they don't know how or why. And it's considered by everyone else to be like vulgar, the fact that they turn into dragons. So no one talks about the dragoning, but the dragoning is happening. And these women are like killing their husbands and they're attacking like union busters. Like these women were in the union trying to fight for their own rights. And then these union busters came to like try and like beat them up or kill them. So then they just turned into dragons and killed them back. And they just, they got all the things that they wanted. So, but it's also like some women will not take it. There's like some people who come back and don't disappear into whatever dragon land they're all going to. Like some women will come back and stay for their kids and then be reintegrated into this hyper American, hyper sexist society of which they have no agency so they go from so much agency to having no agency and you just see like how the cycle can continue because the next generation is being shamed out of dragoning and there's not enough information so it just shows like how these cycles can go on and like what people will go through to get their own agency and i just think it's really interesting so yeah very i mean there there's so much obvious like real social subtext going you know going on yeah um, yeah yeah. how do do you want to like I because I haven't read the book but do you want to what are your feelings about how that like relates to real life because I feel like all all science fiction in particular like relates to something underneath real life right yeah yeah so could you go over some of that like what you're feeling what you're getting out of it yeah I feel like a lot of times with like fantasy or like magical realism and stuff like that when the magic is the solution, it kind of falls flat for the human beings that are reading the book because it's kind of like, okay, well, I can't do that. Mm. So what can I do? But the dragoning is kind of an allegory for violence that men can achieve, but women cannot achieve. So on some level, you can see, like for the union, for example, they hired like this thugs, like these gangsters to go bust the unions, but and the, then the women turn into dragons. If the, dra- if the women in real life had like guns or something and were in a standoff with these gangsters and then got their own rights back because they fought back with violence, that could be the parallel. So I think it just kind of shows like how much violence women in both like the book and in real life are having to deal with and the level of violence that it would take to get mm-hmm. your own agency back and then think like, why this much violence? Why do I have to kill union busters? Like, I just wanted a a decent wage. Like, are you kidding me? Like, so yeah, it's very, it's, it's like shocking how much violence there actually is. So yeah. Yeah. There are two ideas and quotes that come to mind. One is like a sample. I don't even know who it's from, but in a Sinead O'Connor song on Mm -hmm. Universal Mother, there's a 
there's a sample that says so it ends it talks about how women are going to be the ones to like end up figuring out how to get past uh the patriarchal hierarchy mm-hmm. and uh, it ends with the quote, the opposite of patriarchy isn't maternity, but fraternity, um, mm-hmm. like that, where where people people are collaborating instead of organizing into a hierarchical pattern. And then there's another one uh, that's quoted in a Matmos song where it's a poem talking all about how women are going to be the people who figure out how to like deconstruct government and the capital system and the, the money system to get past it. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that there is a lot of, you know, ideas out there that women should be sort of neutralizing male aggression to in order to so, to 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 get past it to um, what do you transcend it? Yeah. Well, something that I I don't know if you guys have seen Barbie, but yes, yeah. um, yeah. that uh, it's amazing. I've seen it three times already. It's one of my favorite movies now. But that's what happens at the end when you're talking about the opposite of patriarchy isn't matriarchy. It's fraternity. That's pretty much one of the messages of the movie, which is really multifaceted and just beautiful aesthetic wise. But that's another obsession, I guess I should have mentioned. But yeah, so that was that also tied into that theme. Yeah, I think especially since you just brought up the Barbie movie, I feel like I've seen so many people like say like, oh, well, I thought it was going to go farther than that. And I'm like, I don't know what you expected out of a two hour Barbie movie. Like, yeah. I feel like it did a it lot. Was a Barbie movie. I thought it was, <laughs> yeah, it was great, like, honestly. Yeah, it wasn't not it was nothing like I expected it to be. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say to the people who wanted more and who wanted like a further deconstruction of feminism, then I would say to read this book because mm. you have so much going on. You can't fit this one book into two hour movie. Like you yeah. would need like a like a trilogy or like a, mm. a couple movies to get everything done. But yeah, I think I think if you needed to address like the systemic violence, right? I think Barbie is like very social and this one is like a little more systemic, a little more violence and like the realities of everyday life especially in a time like the 50s where Mm. it's arguably I mean it was like more violent than it was than it is now but now that we're seeing so many people try to go back to that level of violence is like maybe I will kill you and turn into a dragon and burn your house down (laughs) maybe I want to turn into a dragon yeah (laughs) like if you want to do this we can do this you know so so there's also this I like the book how you describe the book and maybe i'll pick it up because now i am so intrigued but there's also this notion that oh if we give up our power then we're the ones who are going to be oppressed but Mm -hmm. the thing is if you've come from a culture where you are the one who is oppressed the tendency is you know how much suffering that you know that causes you and you wouldn't want that for anyone else and Mm -hmm. so somebody who is oppressed in theory or like anyway like someone who has marginalized identity would want equity for everyone because that's the only way it'll work it can't just be equity for one kind of for certain people and then not for others that's not how it works right right it's either for all or for nothing so yeah so I guess that's why in desperation, 
you know, the extreme thought exercise of what if women could equal that power, you know, what happens then, you know, is how do you break that standoff? So I really like that premise for the book. And thank you for sharing that. I'll pick that book up. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you like it. And they they do drop in some like marginalized groups and everything. If you because it's not just like one side of things. It's like with the union, the people who were um, protesting, they're African-American women. So they were the ones who were about to be killed for wanting a living wage. They did the dragoning and then they stayed and they stayed and they did their jobs and they got everything they wanted. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who disappear from the dragoning are white housewives. So it's like, where are they going in the first place? And <laughs> why didn't they stay? Like they're leaving their children behind too. So it's it's very interesting to see like where people go post-dragoning. Amazing. It's my turn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, hi, I'm Neva, and I'm the community manager of Talking Writing. My obsession might be a little bit different because it's... Wait, co- coaching session okay. first. Oh, yeah, coaching session. Yes, okay. So, I'm offering a co-writing session, a one-hour co-writing session that's... It's free to join, but I think for for people who donate or are pay for subscription i'll do something special for a exclusive co-writing session where i do a special prompt in the beginning to motivate or depending on what you are writing right now like if you're writing fiction or poetry or an essay then we would tailor the prompt to that and then it would be an hour of co-writing and we would check in at the end to see how you found it and how you progressed. So yeah, so I hope that this is a good motivation for you to support us by donating or by sub- paying for subscription. Yeah, and so like my obsession is based on years of kind of experimenting with joining different communities and last year i started figuring out like why or you know why i needed to do that so usually people would be like you know just pick one you know you belong to one community like a writing community or a book club or you have one set of friends but i think back to the time when we were kids and we were free to move around you know play with different playmates and then go and hang out with aunts and uncles or our grandparents. And it was so much richer having that kind of experience. I think that when we grow up, we're kind of socialized to just hang out with our own age groups or if we are associated with one interest, like let's say we're good at football. We would just like hang out with people who are good at football. But what if you also like classical music? It's like, you know, there's what, what's the rule that says that we can't have both, right? That we can't join three or two or five different communities. So that's my obsession about like having different communities and feeling okay with that. 
So I have my own in-person community that I join in Rockaway. We have like a book club in the library. And then I also have my own group of girlfriends that I hang out with. And we have once a month Monday dinners. And then writing communities don't get me started. <laughs> I'm in the writing community of Esme Weijun Wang, the Unexpected Shape Writing Academy, which has really helped me because it's for writers who are trying to write with limitations. So I let's say it's not just for those who are disabled, who have disability, but for those, let's say, who have three kids. And, you know, the, the advice of a writer who is single or like Ray Bradbury's advice of like, just like write every day, what's the problem with that? That's not applicable for everybody. Like if you have three kids, for example, and you have to, you know, you have to, one, you have to drop off at daycare while you work and the other one you have to pick up. How does that look like? So people with limitations and disabilities, that community is brilliant. And then I also joined like Chelsea Hodson's Morning Writing Club. So Chelsea is an author, a multi-published author. She's won awards. And she's very generous in like encouraging others to who want to publish books someday. And she brings in guests who have published their own books. And then you know, the series is called How I Published My Book or something like that. And it's really helpful and encouraging because there's so, so much about the publishing industry that's not, you know, it's very opaque. So you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And Chelsea and these people really make it encouraging and kind of give a behind the scenes peek. And then I also have my freelance editors club because I am a book editor. And that's a different set of community that I also get a lot from. So conversely, though, like when you start to join community, and you get a lot out of it, you also feel like you can give back. And I think that's important. That's the important part about being in community. You don't feel like, oh, I'm just somebody here who just takes and takes. You find something in yourself that you didn't necessarily know that you had that you can give back and you actually help somebody and you didn't even know that you could do that. So there's a natural cycle of mutual aid that happens, right? And the last thing that I'll say about this before like I open myself up, up for questions is that it's important to find intergenerational community because that's how we learned a lot when we were kids. We were hanging out with adults. We were hanging out with toddlers who were younger than us. You know, we were exposed to different ages. And as we grow up, that happens less and less. So my book club is like all ages. We have 50, 60-year-olds. We have 20-year-olds. When I was in the Philippines, I was hanging out with 20-year-olds and I'm 40 years old. You know, that's not, you know, when I came here, like I never saw much of that. But I think we're missing out by not going into community with an intergenerational aspect to it because there's so much joy and so much learning happening, you know, when it's a more diverse community. So yeah, so I hope that the others who feel like they're jumping around 
communities like may you know come and talk to me like email editor at talkingwriting.com and we can share like why we love communities so much Thanks. I, I feel like there are also parallels between the ways that people can get sort of stuck into genres too. Like I, I feel like it's very genres and different art forms. I feel yeah. like, you know, people can kind of get stuck into these narrow bands of like interest, which I think it's always, I, I'm always an advocate for trying to, pay attention to as much different forms of art and also as much different type as many different types of art as you can just to know everything that's out there and to to because I I feel like you're if if you're if you're like I'm only gonna listen to like emo or something like <laughs> that then you're shutting yourself off to like every other type of music you know and you don't know how that music is going to uh, how you're going to react to it how you're going to be influenced by it and I think that can, I think that cross pollination is like really important to figuring out new things and, and pushing things in different directions, you know? I like that word cross pollination because even emo is not purist, you know, it has, right, right. it has influences. So it's really interesting, you know, how, how even different mediums, how visual art and music collide how writing and music or art interact in different ways so yeah like not being so hung up on purist or like just like one thing like i don't think that's natural at all <laughs> everything right. is connected to something and so yeah yeah you're completely right are you part of music community john <laughs> Well, I, I was just thinking about it because I, I, I'm i trying to figure it out because I'm trying to put together shows and play with people and stuff like that. But I don't make music that is of a specific like I don't I can't find any other people who are making things that sound or look like what I do, you know? Yeah. So, so I'm I'm kind of like, te you know, I, I feel an affinity with like most underground bands, but I'm kind of like checking out like a lot of heavier stuff because I, I also have heavier background with with my old band Rad Racket was a little bit heavier. So um, and I know some bands, but like also trying to look into like the indie scene and like the sort of like like folk, like I guess you could say like lo-fi folk scene and stuff like that, yeah. you know, like trying to just like figure out other people who don't necessarily sound like me, but might be like on a similar level and might be playing with like similar at similar places that I would be interested in. So I'm I, right now, I feel like I am. In search. <laughs> yeah. In search of, and, and I did, I just played on Friday at this place in Philly called the century. And it was a really, really like, so I, I played with like a, a, a weird band that does ambient music called Looney, Luna Honey. Their recordings are a little bit softer and um, more ambient, but their live show was like much more like out there and abrasive. Uh, and, and, oh, wow. and they were awesome. And then Northern Liberties, who I used to play with like all the time in my other bands back in the day, 
just put out a new album and we played together and it was just like everybody was just so positive about each other you know like everybody loved each other's sets and the crowd stayed for the whole time and the venue the people who worked at the venue were super positive and it was just like a really like good good vibes place so you know that's like that's like the first community thing i've done in this area and then there's like a small community that i've started to be more involved with in in like the greenville fayetteville north carolina area of just people i've met from playing down there and once again there's like no stylistic tether between any of the music but it's just like everybody trying to do their own thing and being accepting of each other which is really cool but i also you know for me i feel like i don't readily get involved with community i'm more of a loner like i actually really like my alone time and like so i will so to me i have to sort of push myself to branch out for that sort of stuff but yeah i I definitely feel like it's important and and like i'm i'm trying to do it as well (laughs) yeah yeah like i'm a very you know i'm very private and i like my after going out i like to decompress too but i think that's why i really like virtual communities <laughs> because thank god it is not the norm now because at least you can opt out and not you know after 30 minutes you can say oh i stay for 30 minutes and then i'll i can leave you know and it's okay if you do that in person it's kind of like sure it's okay but it kind of it's difficult. It kind of right. looks weird. That, okay, bye. <laughs> and then you walk away from the group. It's harder. So I have like a balance of that. I'm very careful with what in-person groups I I join. But yeah, like I know people have tried it, community at some point. But I think like we shouldn't be obsessed so much with having it fit so much with our specifications. And we should just go and meet people and we can always not go again the next right. time <laughs> yeah so yeah also the talking writing community I'm, i i feel like this is also its own community that i'm a part of um yeah which, which yes definitely fit, which def- doesn't necessarily fit into like the music side of what i do as yeah. much like you know i i do feel like it's it's an it's been an important community to me over the course of the years that i've worked here sorry and sarah, sarah what were you gonna say Oh, I was going to say I'm in the middle of that hopping around situation with communities because I just joined my third book club because I'm looking for like a place that I fit. And the first book club I joined, it turns out they only like read debuts. So and then you have to pay to go because they go to like venues. So that one was cool, but I don't know if only debuts are my jam. And then the next book club I joined was free. So then I was one of two people who showed up because they didn't have like that monetary thing there. So I just joined a third one <laughs> and it's, it's made by this guy I follow on TikTok and he's very insightful and he does like breakdowns and of books and TV shows and stuff. So I'm going to join that and see if that's what I'm looking for. But Deva, you, you, I counted like five different communities and I'm like, I'm worried about three and you've got like five. So yes. confidently, like I need to be more confident, confident <laughs> about the communities I join. So. Yeah. 
but but it is really it, it's really tough and it's a really important thing to find where you fit you know you, yes you use that term to find where you fit or or something along those lines and and i've i've also had trouble with that just like where 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 are the people who i'm going to like, get along with you know yeah <laughs> um, and and you know what it is it yeah. is it is difficult because I've been with groups where I felt like, oh my God, I totally don't feel like I'm listened to here. Like I don't feel like I'm given space to to actually express myself. Like so so yeah, you have the option to not join that group, obviously. But you know, it's there's a lot of like awkwardness and trial and error and everything. And I I guess that's just part of it. But it is, you know, you do feel kind of like nervous the first time that you try. Yeah. Do, do you guys know Brene Brown? Or it, it, yes. I, I feel like I bring up Brene Brown all the time. She's a, <laughs> a fanboy. But like, yeah, she has that difference between, what is it? Between fitting in and belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so fitting yes. in where you try to like, you're you're hustling for your worth and mm-hmm. you're trying to like impress people with the ex- with the hope that they'll accept you as yeah. opposed to belonging where you can just be yourself and people accept you for for who you actually are and you don't have to hustle for your worth you're you you are worthy there i think that's like a really important thing when trying to like seek out community is just trying to find a place where you belong and not a place where you're trying to fit in That's a really good way to sum it up, John. Okay, let's go Uh, to you. And so, yeah, my my coaching offer, I, I don't... I don't do this. This isn't like part of my regular routine, but you know, I have, I do have, have been through a lot of experience with releasing music, both in a band with the format of like being on labels and having publicists and releasing music that way. And then I also have my own music that I've been releasing by myself with a very different paradigm of self-release, self-promotion and self-distribution and seeking out distribution on my own. So, you know, I I feel like I could if anybody out there is like looking to and it doesn't have to be music, but you know, music is more specific to what I do, but looking to figure out any part of the process of writing, recording, producing, mixing and distributing music, I kind of have been through that entire process. So it kind of depends on where, you know, where you're at, you know, if if you're, if you want advice on how to just get started and how to like get, get ideas into a audio file, you know, I can kind of go through the programs that you would need, the equipment that you would need and like how to fit, how to logistically go through that process. Or if you have already recorded stuff and are just looking at like, what are some ways of doing a release and promotion? What what are my options? What are the advantages and disadvantages of going through like more standard channels or the self uh, release channel? Then I can go over like the benefits and, and detractions from those two 
paradigms and to, to see which one would fit better with you. So yeah, uh, just trying to, to, to help people think through that process and, and give a realistic idea of what goes into that process. I can kind of like take you where you're at. So yeah, that would be, that would be my offer. Or if you just want to, you know, talk about philosophy and art or whatever, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's really the, the only like that's the experience that I can hone in on that that could be of help to other people. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you're interested in that or in any of our obsessions, you can always email editor at talkingwriting.com. And yeah, so my obsessions are my my two deep obsessions that go back to childhood are St- Stephen King. M- all all books, although I haven't read every single Stephen King book, I have read several of them many times, up to like 10 times for some of them. And then and then the entire series of 90210, I continually have been re-watching for the entirety of my adult life. And I would in particular, I feel like I'm really looking for a steady podcast partner who would like to dive into various themes throughout the entire series of Beverly Hills 90210. As I said, before we started recording, I've been trying to get my wife on board to do this with me and do the real work, but she is, she's not down. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) uh, so yes, if if anybody would like to, uh, to go on deep dives within the themes of uh, 90, then I am more than willing and anything related to Stephen King books or movies. But uh, yeah, with Stephen King, I feel like I feel like the best approach would be to sort of select, go through like which books you want to talk about. And then we can we can hone in on on which ones to focus on just because his body of work is so large. OK, uh, talking, writing listeners. Maybe you can form a Stephen King community with John. I I know a nine zero two one zero community with John. Yes, and there are podcasts on nine zero two one zero, but a lot of them are inactive, and most of them focus on just like breaking down a single episode. And yeah, for me, I I want to I want to take the whole scope more into view. You know, all or nothing. Yes. Or nothing for John. <laughs> but wait, like I, I want to know. Okay, can you sing to me? Because Stephen King is like you know, it's it's if you've picked up any one of his books, you can see how anyone could be obsessed with him, right? And I know like TV shows, there's more obscure obscure TV shows to be obsessed with. But I want to hear it from you, like. Yeah, wax poetic about 90210. What is it about it? Yeah. <laughs> there was there was a time period when I was uh, trying to find all the links between 90210 and Twin Peaks in a in a project I was calling 902 Twin Peaks and I actually edited together episode like scene for scene episodes between cuz they were on at the same time so they have kind of like a similar video quality. And there, there are a lot of similar similarities between the two. They also have like the same casting agent and they have a couple actors who are in both. It's like, I love 
Twin Peaks for real, like got obsessed with it on on a on a like I actually like this level. And 90210 definitely started as like an ironic like, you know, like watching it for irony. But then I started to derive so much pleasure from watching it that I don't think I'm even being ironic now. Like, because because part of it is like the unintentional humor aspect of 90210, where it's like you're laughing at it because it's like, quote unquote, so bad. But I think that they are also somewhat aware of that aspect of them while they're making it. And they're, and then they're, it's like punctuated with these um, extremely like poignant and touching scenes every once in a while that you hit and you're like, that was actually like a brilliant line. Like, where did that come from? You know? And it's got, and, and, and it's aged really weirdly because it gets more and more, more preposterous as we get farther away from the air date. And like they're they're dealing with with really intense themes, you know, like they like several of the episodes are like, you know, just deal strictly with like race relations and they deal a lot with drug use and there's a lot of like domestic violence and, you know, like one theme I... I wanted to go on is that to deconstruct the the portrayal of musicians in 90210 because every single musician cheats on his partner and has a drug problem and usually has a domestic violence problem, <laughs> you know, and it's like, hey, wait, no, that's that's not realistic, you know. I, I would like to defend the portrayal of musicians in in 90210, but like, you know, they 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 handle all these themes in like PSA format. Uh, like they're clearly like instigated by PSAs of the time. Uh, but at the same time, and and, and it, it gets like clunkier and clunkier again as we as we go forward in time. And it's like this capsule that's like sitting back in the 90s. And and the so so the portrayals get clunkier as we as we go on. But at the same time it's like it's just like a really funny viewpoint into almost like a an arm of a propaganda machine, you know, but in like yes. a primetime <laughs> soap opera format. I was going to say that 90210 was kind of like the G.I. Joe of high school dramas, you know, yeah, yeah. like in the end you expect like, hey, kids, you know, it's like doing drugs is blah 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 and knowing is half the battle but then yeah but you're right after a while it morphs into something it can't decide what it's trying to be <laughs> at the end right. and they they've grown up and so what do they do with that because they're no longer like cute teen problems rich teen problems it's like it's the real world now, and now what they do? What do they do with that? Right? Right, right. Yeah, because they have three years of adult life. They they have like their high school drama and and the stuff that they're dealing with then, and then they've got like the college years. They're they're dealing with somewhat more serious issues, and then they've got like. But then by the time they hit their adulthood, it, the whole series has kind of jumped the shark because that's like seasons eight, nine, and ten. And by that point, I feel like they're 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 just like 
almost in an alternate world that they've created, you know? <laughs> I was going to say that I, I stopped watching because it felt like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. It, it, it felt, and, and now that you mention it, it came out around the same time as Twin Peaks. Like, you should discuss with uh, another fan, you know, like, is it like a parallel universe? of Did they all die in some, like, you know, freak accident, and then you know this is their their twilight life that they're living in their head or something like that. Like the the underside, like the the upside down from Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. Where like Twin Peaks is the upside down, and nine hundred two one zero is the. Well, maybe it's actually reversed. I don't maybe know. Maybe it's reversed. <laughs> Who knows? I'd rather live in Twin Peaks. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right. Please. Somebody email editor at talkingwriting.com and make this podcast episode happen. Or an entire series. I'm, I'm or an entire series. The long haul, really. Yeah. But, yeah. There we go. There it goes. Please. I think that's also another reason why people should donate or pay for subscription. Because when we get obsessed with something, you know, we're in it for the long haul. Like, if, if anything, talking writing has proven that since 20, did Martha found 2012, right? She founded uh, this 2012. I think it was t- 2010. 2010. 2010. Yeah, 2010. And I think that's the reason why we're all, why we were all drawn to talking writing too in the first place. Like clearly we're, we're all the way we're obsessed with things and the way that we want to deep dive into things. Like Sarah in that that book, like that find of a book and 90210 and art pigments and all of that, right? Like there's very little space that I find online right now where you can really deep dive into something and take your time doing that. So I really hope that our community responds and lets us deep dive some more into our obsessions. But I would also say that if you follow our Substack, then please put your like current obsessions in the comments because then we could also become obsessed with that soon. Or I mean, I have lots of obsessions that I did not list here. So if that's true, mention something, and I'm like, I totally will talk about this with you. That is true. That is true. Right. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Talking Writing Podcast. We're an independent literary site and nonprofit organization based in the Boston area, but with contributors from around the world. Since our founding in 2010, we've relied on donations to keep publishing and podcasting. To donate to TW, you can use the donate button on the rss.com page of this podcast or visit talkingwriting.com donate. And of course, feel free to drop us a line at editor at talkingwriting.com.